Stand by. The vacuum tubes are warming up. This is a special live broadcast. Right here on Georgia Radio. 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 That's your cue, Wade. Okay. That would be me. <laughs> I was doing something something else. Imagine that. Uh, me getting sidetracked. <laughs> well, welcome to the Tuesday night, uh, the first show in December, Tuesday evening, Georgia Folk and Farm Life Radio Show, brought to you by the good folks over at Meese Cattle Company. And uh, we've had a, we had a good week. I hope y'all have too. And, and starting off well this week. And uh, glad you could join us tonight. And tonight we have a uh, a guest that's been with us before, but she's such a great guest and great friend that we have to have her back on now and then. And, and uh, that's Faye Stapleton Burnett. Faye, did you see where I described you as a cross between Julia Sugarbaker and Chuck Norris? Yes, and my my husband said amen when he heard that. <laughs> he couldn't have said it better, Wade. <laughs> You've been warned. I knew you wouldn't be offended by that. I don't know if Chuck Norris was, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, maybe he won't find out about it. I could start to say I don't care, but I do care if Chuck Norris is yeah, unhappy right. with me. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you and with all the good folks out there. Hi, Brock. See, Brock, Brock's there sitting beside you. Yeah, Brock, Brock is going to assist me tonight. I hope that's okay. That is wonderful. Um, I know. Uh, now we may have some questions for you, and this being like reality TV, you have reality radio, and you know it's not made up. Nothing's work. We don't, not, you know, nothing in advance has been. You haven't heard the questions I'm going to ask you. No. It's totally. I I I promise. I got my finger. Wait a minute. I promise that uh, you have not uh, seen or approved or been made familiar with anything you might be asked, and uh, that's. <laughs> We'll leave it to that. We might ask you some quest- questions. And yeah. So, yeah. Matt. Matt. I'm Matt here. There. I'm here. Okay. I'm well, asking the wrong button. Maybe I'm asking the wrong button. Well, this, we haven't done some glitches tonight. Glitches are fun. It's okay. Um, yes, tell tell it's, everybody it's, about Mink's Brothers Cattle real quick. Well, I will because, listen. Uh, Steve Meeks and his sons, they have, um, uh, is a local, um, Emanuel County, uh, business where they raise cattle and they make, they produce some of the finest beef and it's vacuum packed and it's uh, grass fed and grain finished beef. It's, it's not like what you buy in the store. It is fantastic. The quality is amazing and it leaves a good taste in your mouth. I promise you that, uh, they they ship and uh well they can't ship but they will deliver within I think a hundred miles but they they serve the surrounding areas not just Emanuel County if you're in this area of Georgia and you want the finest beef to be had get with uh, Meeks Brothers our sponsor yeah I like and I've it. lost the video with Faye here well just go ahead and start asking her the the questions <laughs> that what, might what be questions? a good Oh my Am I going to be interrogated, Wade? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, anything you say can and will be used against you. Is it like being uh, so, called in front of Congress or what? Right. You know how they always uh, grill you? Yeah. Uh, I'm lighting a cigar right now. Yeah. I'll say I don't recall. <laughs> yes. Never, yeah, don't be definite. Uh, I don't recall that I don't because recall. of multi- That's right. That's multitude right. of sins. 
And, yeah. and Brock, being a, a pastor, you can appreciate that. That's right. Yes. That's right. <laughs> well, if you're not familiar with Faye, Faye is a retired uh, dentist. We went to school together, not down to school. <laughs> high school, I'm not a student. I ain't a, I ain't a tooth dentist. dentist my daddy was saying. <laughs> I was just waiting to see where this went, Faye. <laughs> but we went to school, high school together at DEA in Stillmore, Georgia. And then uh, Faye and Brock married Brock. She married Brock, and, and uh, he became Mr. Stapleton. I mean, she became Mrs. Burnett. That's right. And uh, so he's a he was he's a retired pastor, and Faye is retired uh, as a dentist, but she lives a full life. They uh, she has a hobby of scouring old uh, Georgia newspapers from the past and looking up things of interest. She's written a, a couple of books. Um, how many books now, Faye? Well, about four. Yeah. I thought I was going to say three or four. Yeah. Well, The Hanging of Susan Eberhardt was your first book, and then you've done some compilations of things you've gleaned, comedy and other things you've gleaned from um, historic archive Georgia newspapers. And and she amazes me at things she ferrets out. But um, speaking of of, um, old newspapers (laughs) and Christmas, we we haven't mentioned Christmas, but Christmas is coming. Yeah. Um, and so what's the earliest reference to Christmas you found in a Georgia newspaper? You ever, you ever find well, that? You, you could have probably guessed that I would want to talk about historic newspapers and Christmas. So right. I did, I did do a word search and the earliest mention I could find in a Georgia newspaper was from the Georgia Gazette published in Savannah, Georgia in 1765. And the word Christmas was mentioned but it was not a good event that it was mentioned in reference to, and I don't even want to go down that road, but that was the earliest. And I just thought it was interesting that they were publishing newspapers in 1765 in Savannah. Um, yeah, that was before we uh, became a nation. Yeah, colony, absolutely. Colony. Yes. Well, you find a lot of good stuff in those old newspapers, and and uh, it, it's, uh, it's always amazing to me uh, – that, that there's so much out there. There's still a lot of papers that aren't, uh, haven't been digitized and put out there to make them easy to search. That's right. Uh, but there's a, it, it's grow, it's a growing list and that's good. It is a growing list. Funds become available. They add new additions all the time. And uh-huh. I've, I've mentioned this before, but the university of Georgia has a very good free database that anybody can access online to search old historic Georgia newspapers. And, once you figure out how to navigate and do searches and filters, um, if you like history and genealogy, it can just kind of take over your life. But that's okay. There's worse things to take over your life. Yeah. It's all uh, right. Well, speaking of money, <laughs> what is the largest Christmas gift ever given in Georgia, in your opinion? Uh, okay. Well, Wade, do you have a guess of what it would have been? Uh, largest Christmas gift. I don't know. Maybe 60 by 40. <laughs> no, let, let me let me let me start off. With, let me start off with the message. Oh, you mean monetary value? Okay. Yeah, I'll say monetary value. Yeah. What's the most yeah. expensive Christmas gift ever given in the state of Georgia? Well, a million dollars is a good round figure. So we'll say a million dollars. Okay. Let me let me begin with the message attached to what, this is just what I say was the largest Christmas gift. I don't know, but I'm going to say it. I beg to present you 
as a Christmas oh, gift. Oh, I I know boo. where it is. Yeah, boo his. Boo boo. I beg to present you as a Christmas I, gift the city of Savannah with 150 cotton. heavy guns and plenty of ammunition and also about 25,000 bales of cotton. Yeah, boo his. We're not even going to say who that <laughs> scoundrel was that presented <laughs> Away Lincoln with the city of Savannah for Christmas of 1864. I, yeah. Wouldn't you say if you could monetize that, that would be the largest Christmas gift ever given in Georgia? Yeah, because you got, you know, there was Dixie Crystal's uh, sugar refinery and the IP pulp mill and, you know, all those uh, container warehouses and, the, you know, container ports. Yeah, it was a pretty good gift, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say that. So, you know, you here in the South in Georgia, you kind of always think about that was a, a pivotal pivotal event. Um, yeah, for those of you that might not know, that was, uh, if you know your history, that was where W.T. Sherman uh, had uh, made it to Savannah and captured it, and it would have been given over to him, and and uh, he presented it in a, in a message, I think a telegram to Lincoln as a Christmas gift. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So anyway, I just, that's, I knew you would, you would have known that, but I just, Thought I'd throw that in there. Um, I will say that if you look back in the early newspapers, we're going back into the 1700s and the early 1800s. There was, you know, newspapers in general were about four pages long. Um, they even small towns that had a newspaper like Louisville, Georgia, they would have events from around the world. There wasn't a lot of write-up about like what people were doing at Christmas, you know, like we think about Christmas advertisements and that kind of thing. But um, there, there, uh, there was something you would see commonly in the early 1800s. It would be bank notices that if you had a loan that was due on December 25th, that they would be closed on Christmas Day. So you better get in there and pay it by the 24th. So that, that was, you know, as if so, we don't all know that, you know. So, so uh, bankers have been bankers that you know much the same for uh, uh, yes. centuries. Yeah, that but they didn't wish you a merry Christmas. They just wanted you to know you better get in there by the twenty fourth. Was this the the Bank of Ebenezer Scrooge? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. But actually, but actually, you see it throughout early newspapers. That was like I said. I just did a search term for Christmas just to see what would pop up, and that was one of the earlier things. Um, so uh, also, let's see where. I'm just looking down my notes. Wait, I have to go by notes. I'm getting old here. Um, you were going to ask me something else. What's your next question? Well, what were some unusual gifts given for Christmas advertising in the newspaper? Okay, let me um, let me get this pulled up. This is from the Weekly Banner, which was an Athens, Georgia newspaper. Now it's known as the Athens Banner Herald. For for those of you who followed things in Athens. Uh, this is from 1912. So this is 110 years ago. And there was a department store named Davison Nicholson Company that had uh, Christmas gifts, many, a whole page of Christmas gifts. And this would be something that the men would buy for their wives. So I'm going to let Brock read this selection of what would be a good uh, Christmas <laughs> Christmas gift. And go. Let me go ahead and warn everybody. This is politically incorrect, um, and Brock is engaged in this political incorrectness. He's from West Virginia, so he's been doing this a long time. Here you go. Okay. For Christmas gifts, 
another large shipment received by Saturday's Express. Nothing more appropriate as a Christmas gift than a pretty set of furs. We're showing the largest line we've ever displayed in lynx, mink, fox, coon, beaver, wolf, possum, Persian lamb, <laughs> moleskin, and coney. All new shapes and styles are here for you to select from. Prices range from four fifty to eighty dollars for the set. Wow. <laughs> Actually, my favorite on that list is the possum. I didn't awesome. know. Yeah. Okay. Possum. All right, Wade, uh, do you know what a coney is? No, you, you go try to make me admit yes, I don't know I something am. in front of want, God and everybody on radio. I want to prove that I know something that you don't know. Do you know what a coney <laughs> fur is? Coney fur? Coney. Yeah. Coney. C-O-N-E-Y or C-O-N-E-Y? Yes, C-O-N-E-Y. I know, but I'm not going to tell y'all. Oh, Okay, it's a rabbit. Let me Google it right now. I don't know. I do not know. It's a rabbit. It's a rabbit. And opossum was my favorite. And you know your husband loves you when he gets you an opossum word coat for Christmas. I'm thinking that might have been the dollar and a half one. But um, Brock, when we talk about moleskin, we think of moleskin now being a cotton fabric that's a little bit brushed. This was literally mole skin so let brock tell you just a wee bit because brock is a trapper i don't know if you knew that well, i grew up in west virginia oh. but yeah that was a long time ago but i was intrigued by the mole skin and i how many know, moles it take to make one uh, there you well, go. You're actually hair. i have the answer to that it was 500 <laughs> <laughs> i had to play 500 moles in my entire life yeah and and who in the world invented that well the Europeans. In every little parish from the late 1700s to the early 1800s, they had a mole catcher. Unbelievable. I, I, I've got a friend who has a mole <laughs> catcher. They're, they're, they're blind. They've got little stubby legs. They're like me. They're easy to catch. What? Well, mean, no, no. Tre- we, to be proud of. Listen, Trev, Trev's the mole hunter, <laughs> lives on my friend Stephen Nia's place. Uh, well, the family farm <laughs> with, with Gar and all of them over in Wells. And he's. No kidding, the mole hunter. He gets paid by how many moles he can kill every day, and he keeps them in his in his coat. And at the end of the day, he shows up, and yeah, well, I think I think she's happy that he's employed. You know, you imagine telling what does your son do? Oh, he's a doctor. What's your son do? Um, he's and you're lying. So he's a dog catcher, but he's really the mole catcher. But I hate to say that. You know, well, he's making fur coats, I guess. Yeah. With apologies to dog catchers. Yeah, he, but can you imagine. They didn't have sewing machines then. Imagine going out and taking 500 moles, dressing them, <laughs> doing all the stuff you have, and getting those little hides and sewing them together. Well, they, that's why they had to dye them different colors uh, because they couldn't find 500 that looked exactly alike. Alike. What do you think that was the possum coat? And I'm just curious. They should have gone to a mole family reunion, Brock, and they could have found a bunch of books about alike. Was the possum died as well? Was that a like a faux fur? Yeah, they was dead. Or was it? Yeah. You know, was yeah, it was dead. it made to look like something else, or was it just it legitimately died? If there was variations. no, it was legitimate. Yeah. It's real, real fur. So yeah. you'd you'd want to say this is possum fur? Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't. They weren't. They weren't making it into a mink. I guess is what I. No, no. They they turned muskrats into mink. They shaved the long hairs off the muskrats and sold them for mink. You you have to understand that Brock literally with the with the the, uh, muskrats after they shaved them. Yes. Yeah, they just trimmed it. They shaved the guard hairs off and sold them. They turn them loose and let them grow more like sheep. Yeah. Oh, no, no, they, they were. No. You'd have to have manual dexterity and good high hand coordination to be a uh, muskrat shearer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to understand that Brock literally grew up trapped. <laughs> we had traps and stretchers, and every time we we pass roadkill, he takes his foot off the accelerator. I know what he's doing. <laughs> because, you know, it might be a good one. That one, like a good that one. one's uh. Still pliable, you know. Rigor mortis says. <laughs> don't think he wouldn't do it. Honk your horn to scare the buzzards away. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Fact, what it's about break time for us to go. Okay. Break, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, we'll take a quick one here, real fast. Hi, this is Wade Peoples from Georgia Folk and Farm Life Radio. I'm here to tell you about Meeks Brothers Cattle Company, and you don't have to worry about supply chain issues or where your beef comes from. Do what I do and call Meeks Brothers Cattle Company today. You can get a whole, half, a quarter, any amount of beef you want. Good quality beef. Vacuum packed. Lasts up to three years in your freezer. It's grass-fed, grain-finished, made to order. Visit Meeks Brothers Cattle Company on Facebook today and tell them Brother Wade sent you. And that's Meeks Brothers Cattle Company. Thank you. I know you can hear me, and so can your customers. Lots of people don't take kids seriously. Well, listen up. Advertising on Georgia Radio is seriously easy and affordable. Visit georgiaradio.com slash advertise or, better yet, call the station. So let's talk. Your customers are listening and so is my mom. Hi, Mom. Georgia Radio. Good company and great country. Well, now, you made it through the break, and we did, too, and we're back with you now with uh, Georgia Folk and Farm Life uh, Radio Show with um, uh, Brock uh, Burnett and his wife, Faye, who uh, is we're keeping us in stitches here. We're talking about furs and, and Christmas in the old days and things she's gleaned from old newspapers that happen to match up with the questions I have with it for her tonight, and, which is an amazing coincidence. It, it- it's true. It's almost like you're psychic, Wade. I mean, I yeah, don't it's know. it's uncanny. Dee, dee, yeah. dee, dee, but. <laughs> you could use well, that listen, word. Yeah. Okay. One of my favorite topics. At my, when you get to my age, you wonder what a younger man you might say. Well, wait, this is radio, you know. But once you get to my age, you know, one of my my favorite topic is uh food. So. I was thinking about asking you this, Faye, but, you know, about can you give us some sample Christmas menus in Georgia history? But I could probably guess it was probably mole, muskrat, possum. They had a lot of meat left over. That's right. After, did yeah. you imagine cooking? You know, I know I've read in uh, medieval history and. And the, the kings and queens of Europe from those spoiled people that were just lived these outrageous lifestyles on the backs of, you know, untold thousands of peasants that labored, that they would eat, th- you know, they would have banquets and things, especially in France and but uh, and, and Moscow also. Moscow really copied uh, 
France on everything and emulated them. But, but things, you know, they would have, uh, they would kill enormous amounts of little critters to have a, a banquet. And I remember Nightingale's uh, soup was one. You know, Nightingale had a beautiful bird that had a beautiful voice, and they would kill hundreds and hundreds of Nightingale just to cut their little tongues out and make a. Yeah. I, I really probably shouldn't have mentioned this, but yeah. But on a lighter note, maybe you could tell us about <laughs> some, from. Christmas menus from Georgia history. Yeah, I, I have uh, one menu. Uh, it's funny you should ask me that because I, I have yeah. one pulled up here. I have that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this was from 1911, so 100 and, you know, what, 11 years ago, from Hartwell, Georgia, Hartwell Sun. This is called a simple Christmas menu oyster cocktail, olives, salted almonds. Cream of tomato soup, roast turkey, boiled dressing. I've never heard of boiled dressing. Cranberries, celery, potato. I bet it was the canned kind like God intended. I think so. Celery, potato croquettes, spinach, creamed onions. They used to do that. Cabbage salad on lettuce leaves, plum pudding with hard sauce. I'm sure that means rum. Liquor. Yeah, rum. Yeah, vanilla ice cream in glasses. White mountain cake, which is a cake with a sort of a marshmallow buttercream icing, bonbons, crackers, cheese, and coffee. And if you read in history back, even you know in the early 1900s, oysters were huge. Oysters. I mean, they had oyster yes. dinners all the time, yep. fundraisers, and oysters. And the and the 19th century and the early that was a oysters were were very much more common in menus, especially on, on railroad uh, passenger trains, uh, nice yes. hotels. They always pushed the oysters. Yes, I, it's just kind of um, interesting to me that that without refrigeration, even they somehow managed to get them there. But uh, yeah, well, they, in the days with the railroad, they the railroads uh, could get things around very quick. They'd ice them down once they got. Uh, they had ice houses, and then they would uh, ice things down and, and get them probably more quickly than people think. Uh, but that, I, I've moved into Hartwell right now. I want to eat that at that place. What year was that? That was 1911. 1911. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We uh, we did the air math while ago. Uh, but well, um, I. I don't have another menu, um, and I actually want to skip over in the interest of time to maybe question seven. I, I'm psychically thinking you're going to ask me something. Yeah. Else. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it might involve Mark reading a poem about mistletoe. It's amazing. How did I guess that? <laughs> Okay. I but, amazed myself. I, I, yeah, it's it's crazy. What well, does Brock happen to have? Uh, Question number seven: Can Brock read a poem about mistletoe? No. I've numbered them in advance. I've like yeah. up with his feathers. I got them all numbered, you know, just in case. Would would he happen to have a poem about? Well, mistletoe? it's funny. It's funny you should ask because we do have a poem about mistletoe that he's going to read, and I and I'm fixing to maybe stump you and Matt. I don't know. Have you ever heard the expression? Toe the scratch, T O E, as in toe. Toe, toe the scratch. Oh yes, yes. I've very. Heard. <laughs> yeah. Shut, Matt. You're lying. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I've heard of toe the scratch. <laughs> you have not. It's a very old you Texas term. You scratch your toe, maybe, but you've. Yeah, is it something like toe the line? But no, kind of like toe the line. But I'll tell you, it. And the reason I'm asking uh, is because it's the last line of the poem. I'd never heard <clears> that expression. 
back in the day, this comes from uh, 1916, that they would have in a boxing match, they would scratch a line and the opponents would line up on the scratch and they would toe the scratch. And basically it means let the match begin. Let the match begin. Toe the scratch. So having said that, uh, I give you Brock Burnett uh, reading a poem written in, uh, this was in the Bartow, Cartersville. Oh my gosh, Matt, that's where you're from, right? I mean, that you don't. Well, you Carrollton, go? yeah, Carrollton area. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. I mixed up. Okay, anyway, this is from Cartersville, so it starts with a C. Here's a poem about mistletoe. Uh, pardon my accent, Wade, I'm from West Virginia. Yeah, you're pardoned. I I kissed her, yes I did, beneath the mystic mistletoe, when Christmas bells were pealing out across the drifted snow, and just my style, and she was a maiden sweet to see, and just my style to boot, and so upon her ruby lips I placed a swift salute, for she had twined the buried bow on chandelier and wall, and wreathed it all around the door, and draped it in the hall, and pinned it to the picture frames, and hung it on the latch, and tucked it in her hair, and so I had to toe the scratch. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you know, nothing says. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Nothing. Uh, who wrote that? Uh, it was in the American press. Let's see if it says. Oh, excuse me. It does. Minna Irving. And it has a photograph in the newspaper in 1916 of a young, lovely lady with a hat on with mistletoe all over it. She wasn't taking any chances. She no. Everywhere. Uh, well, you know, and there's nothing says Christmas in Georgia in the South like mistletoe. And I know good good folks that, you know, we have shot mistletoe down. We're not, we're not, you know, we've been on the lazy side in the South. And shooting down mistletoe is a good uh Christmas tradition. Uh, yeah. Have you ever done that, Brock? You ever shot down mistletoe? I have, yes. See. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever used it, but <laughs> let's see. I'm looking at. Wait, I think here. you've got a caller here. I do. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear it. What's Go going ahead. on, Uncle Wade? Oh. Hey, hey, bud. What you doing? <laughs> Ain't no lot to it about to head to the house. As we've got Brian Sparks on here. He accidentally calls during the show sometimes. And well, I'm glad you headed home. You're through for the day. But uh, what you got on your mind, huh? Not a whole lot. What y'all talking about? We've got Faith Stapleton and her husband Brock on. We've talked hey, about Christmas Faith. past. Hey, Brock. Hey, hey, man. A fellow Metterite, Sarah uh, Faze Ridley from Metter. So. There you go. She's good people then. <laughs> you darn tootin'. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking about toeing the scratch. Toeing the scratch. Yeah, it's an old, it's an old, uh, old Texas term that Wade hadn't heard I don't think of. I've ever heard that before. I hadn't Hold even on. heard whoa, whoa, line. Hold on. Back up. Back up, Matt. Did you just say Wade had not heard yeah, of? He's never heard of toe. Now, I can't believe it. Say that, man. You know, I cannot believe you yeah. never heard of toe. He's the the dictionary of Georgia. I, well, I know, he but he hadn't heard of that. It didn't get here until later. You know, 
Apparently, it didn't get it till now. <laughs> I admitted it, Brian. I did. I admitted that uh, I didn't know. I, I I I know it was. Yeah. This. Yeah. Well, well, tell all of us that's come on late what what it means. Well, in the old days in boxing matches, uh, they they didn't have a ring. They would set up the fight, and they would make a scratch on, I guess, on the ground or on the on the floor, and the line, the two uh, opponents in the boxing match would stand toe to toe there at toe the scratch. It's like toeing the line, but toeing the scratch. Huh? Yeah, now that you know what it means, have you ever done? Yeah, have, <laughs> yeah. You you probably toed the scratch a time or two. Could you like to you tussle when you were a boy? Kind of like making a line and saying, "I dare you to cross it." <laughs> right, and then you and they do you back up and make another one. I I dare you to cross that line. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a host when I say a political comment. <laughs> I'm more of the olden days. You cross that line, we're gonna have to. See how tough you are because you done pulled my bluff. But now that you're uh, an ordained minister like uh, Brock here, uh, you you can't be fighting like that. You are correct, but I will have you know. Sometimes I got to keep my word. You can tell the you know you can I, tell the scratch and pray be, for them. I may be I may be wrong, but sometimes you just got to keep your word. That's uh, it's exactly it's right. not Listen, your fault right. if they get slain in the spirit, Brian. I'm just going to leave it. That's all I'm saying. That's right. (laughs) When you pray for people, sometimes you have to lay hands on them. Ain't that right, right, Mr. Brock? (laughs) 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 Well, listen, Brian, we're going to have to let you go. We're coming to the end. We're going to have to do the closing. I love you, my my wonderful for Brian. Y'all just don't know what what this man has meant in my life. We'll talk about having him on sometime and talk about that. But love you. I love you too, buddy. Good talking to y'all. Wade, can I end as one, with one small thing? Certainly. Okay. This is this is from 1917, which means we were in the midst of World War One, and this is this is a small little uh, quote. It's called "Christmas the same as ever." Hmm. Christmas time. That man must be a misanthrope indeed, in whose breast something like a jovial feeling is not roused in whose mind some pleasant associations are not awakened by the recurrence of Christmas. There are people who will tell you that Christmas is not to them what it used to be. Never heed such dismal reminiscences. Reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has many, not on your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. Our life on it, but your Christmas shall be merry and your new year a happy one. This was a quote from Charles Dickens. I like that. Everyone, a merry Christmas. There's always a reason to be happy and joyful in this time of year. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Faye. Thank you, Brock. You're most welcome. I always love it when Faye comes on. I really do. I, it's, I, it's, uh, I, it's, it's Faye a, needs her I, own I, show. I always say that. She but. does need her own show. Yeah. We've mentioned that before, but it hey, would be great. Matt, I had a good one about an airplane for Santa Claus coming oh. in on, on a jet airplane in 1900, but I know that we're running short Well, what happened? Time. In 1900? Yes. I okay. a jet airplane in 1900? Yes. I will send it. Have you got, have you got about one minute? Say, or no? You know, go ahead. 
Okay. All right. This was in, y'all know where Adel is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Adel News in 1900, it's called the 20th Century Santa Claus. It's got a beautiful ink sketch of Santa Claus on a 1900 jet, what they thought it would look like. Here's the poem. In years gone by when motive powers were yet to be developed, Kris Kringle made his Christmas trips with deer and sleigh enveloped in furs and robes to shield them from the blast of breeze frigid, which in the far-off northern clime would quickly freeze him rigid. But with the passing years, he found his calling list increasing, the number of his little friends enlarging without ceasing, compelling him to seek a means of greater expedition that he might yet more swiftly speed upon his kindly mission. As time went by, more speedy means of travel were invented. And with each new one, Santa Claus was more and more contented. Of each, in turn, the good old saint became the proud possessor. And for his purpose each, he thought, outstripped his predecessor. So for the 20th century, uh, he, the latest mode, is trying an airship of a special build for swift, swift and distant flying. From place to place, he darts through space like a huge bird a-winging. So each and all from cloudland down, his gifts and blessings bringing. Written by Frank Welch. And it's a beautiful picture. I'll send it to you, Matt and Wade, That's of Santa cool. <laughs> on a jet in 1900. There you go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Hard to imagine, you know, I mean, the Wright brothers were just trying it's out a, their gliders at that, you know, yeah, in 1899. Yeah. I mean, that's, when you see this, right, I'll have to put it on Georgia Folk if anybody wants to that's see. That's great. That'd yeah, be great. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful picture. Yeah. There you go. Well, thanks well, again for coming on, Faye. You're most welcome. Wade, you got yeah, anything Conway. else as you wrap up? Conway is gurring me. He wants his head scratched. Now that's going to wind it up, and we appreciate it. It's been a great show, as always, and, and we'll have Faye and Brock on again. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for, for listening to the support. Thanks, Meeks Brothers Cattle Company, for being our sponsor. They, they, it's just a special thing to be involved with good Christian people like them. And with you, Matt, and Georgia Radio, we love it. Thank you all. Thank you all. Happy Christmas. Georgia Radio. Good company and great country. Enjoy the country music. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply.